0: Welcome everyone to another edition of Up in Flames here, live on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. As always, I'm your host, Will Murphy. And of course, I got a familiar face. Almost the other right-hand man for almost everybody's show at the network. I got my guy Kenneth. We're gonna get into a lot of NBA talk today, but we'll be back. We'll be back with y'all right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames.
1: We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me We up in flames, we up in flames, we up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah, yeah, uh. We up in flames. Hold on, uh. Check the score. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Woo! We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames And we are back, we are back Welcome to another edition of Up In Flames As always, like I said, I am your host Mo Murphy And today I got my guy who you will hear later on today but I got my guy Kenneth from the Shooter Shoot podcast, it also co-host of Breaking the Game. So you're going to hear him multiple times today talking a lot of hoops, different perspectives, get a different flavor, three times a day with my guy Kenneth. Kenneth, what's going on, bro?
1: You kind of made it sound like I don't have a life in a sense that, like, you know, I, I just help everybody out, like like I got nothing going on. like Like, I got plans and stuff, like I got a wedding coming up and stuff, but like, no, I appreciate you having me on to, to chat some hoops. Uh people might get sick of me by the time hour three comes around, but uh yeah, definitely looking forward to chatting some NBA with you.
0: Yeah, like I said, it's not necessarily that you don't have a life, you're just you're the go to. When nobody has a guest, nobody has somebody who's wa- wanting to talk sports, hit Kenneth up. And he'll definitely jump on here with you. So let's start right to it. Let's just be honest there are two teams that are absolutely on fire in the NBA right now. And it's the the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. We'll start with the Warriors first, uh, and just kind of talk about where they're at. No James Wiseman, no Klay Thompson. Obviously, if the season ended today, and we have such a long season that it doesn't. But if the season ended today, I think Curry would win his second unanimous MVP. I guess Kevin Durant does have a shot, but with what you know, with what Golden State is doing, I think unanimous again. What are your thoughts on Golden State being at this time at this moment 15 and 2? What are, what are your thoughts on Golden State right now?
1: I just think Steph's the clear cut MVP right now. Like I think if you ask anyone out there, if you look at his numbers at 28, 7 and 5, he's got shooting splits of 46, 41, and 94. I mean, he's a near fifty, forty, ninety guy who's also distributing, rebounding, doing everything that he needs to win with his team. Um, But this is a very deep basketball team, and it's deeper than I think people anticipated it would be because we saw the last couple of years without Clay, and it was like, well, it's Steph and who else? Well, they have a great supporting cast here now. When you look at Jordan Poole, he's averaging 18 a game. He's one of those guys that's probably in the most improved conversation this year. You got Andrew Wiggins at 19 points per game. He's a guy that a lot of people love to hate on. He's putting up good numbers on a good team and he's contributing in a lot of ways there. You've got Draymond Green. I mean, he's their defensive anchor. Having him out there with these guys, I think the numbers don't truly show the impact that he has for Golden State because I think they're a vastly different basketball team if they don't have Draymond Green. You look at their defensive rating, they're top five in the NBA, I think, in defensive rating this year. So I think that just goes to show the impact that he makes on this team. And then you look at their bench. You can go to Kavon Looney, who's played big minutes in big games. You've got Bayelinsa, a stretch forward that can hit threes. You've got Damian Lee. You've got Otto Porter. Otto Porter, we forget, a couple years ago was one of those up-and-coming guys where we were like, man, he could be something in the league. He went through some injuries. Now he's healthy on a good Golden State team. And you talk about them missing Clay and Wiseman. Wiseman, I'm less concerned about because I still think he's only played like 40 games in the league, so he still just needs to get minutes and to overall just hone his craft, and that can take a few years to do. But if Clay comes back even at 80%, Splash Brothers back at full strength, you're going to be moving one of these guys in their starting lineup to the bench, making them even deeper as a team. So Golden State's scary good. I know they've had one of the easier schedules out of the gate, but that doesn't change the fact that they're on a six-game win streak. They beat Brooklyn this year. They beat Philly. They've beat Portland. They beat quality teams. So overall, Golden State's a team that's impressed me greatly.
0: Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you named all that, and you didn't even really talk about their rookies and Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga that they ended up getting in the lottery that we felt like were both two very solid picks, and they might be important later on in the season, but because they have, you know, I'm big on the fact that uh, they're able to get acclimated. They got time. You don't need Kaminga right away, clearly. You don't need Moody. Uh, they don't need to be factors for the success of Golden State. So if they become a factor later in the season, as they, you know, they get deeper into their rookie year, they get more experience, get a little more time. You know, sometimes injuries happen. They they got to answer the call. Moody will have to step up. Uh, Kuming will have to step up if an injury happens. But like you said, like, this is no Clay Thompson. And it, it goes to show the development of Golden State, you know, developing talent because last year, in the past two years, we're like, well, who does Steph have? And then we give, you know, they got Draymond Green, but Draymond Green's declining as far as his stats. But, you know, his, his, him being on the court, like his impact aren't stats related. You look at his stats and you're like, ah, uh, you know, Draymond Green's falling off a cliff. But at the same time, if you watch the game, like he has a huge impact on both sides. He's the floor general and the defensive leader on both sides, you know, the ball. Draymond Green is probably, I've always said he's been the X factor to that team, to that team's success for the past, you know, five to six years, seven years. It's been like Draymond Green has been the most important. Even when they gave up that 3-1 lead, you saw how it change when Draymond Green didn't play in game five. Like, that absolutely changed the whole series. He's not impressive on the stat sheet. He might have a game where he has six points, you know, eight or nine rebounds and seven, eight assists, but just defensively, just, the you know, being that middle linebacker on the defense. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we, we continue to talk about the Warriors. And, yeah, I that. Uh, we, we continue to talk about the Warriors. And so,
1: do you think they make a trade, though? I, I've talked about this with Steven. Do you think they make a trade? I just don't know. I don't know what the particular market is right now as far as trades go, um, as far as who they could go and get. Um, I know pieces like Aaron Gordon are a possibility, um, but I don't know how he really fits into that team given the fact that if Clay's coming back, like it's, it's a very loaded wing group that they have there in golden state. So I don't think they necessarily need him. I think a team like the Lakers is more likely to make a trade for Eric Gordon because it's pretty clear that they don't need him in Houston. Like they're not trying to win basketball games. He might help these guys like Jalen green out a little bit, but, Overall, I just don't see him being there long-term and a part of the long-term plans for that team. Um, so I guess it, it depends on, on what they really need. Like I'm not sure if it's they want to go and just add some big man depth like in case they want to go big and maybe Wiseman doesn't come back at 100%. They could maybe make a move like that. But I like the, the current makeup of the roster. I think it, they mesh really well together. I think that is obvious early on in the year. Like we talk about even guys like Gary Payton, the second guy that he comes in, plays a few minutes, but he looks really good in those minutes. So this is a Golden State team that I think it it fits really well. I think Steve Kerr's got a great system that he runs there. He doesn't get a lot of credit as a head coach, which I don't like because it's like, well, he's, he's had super teams his whole career. And it's like, well, he did take a Golden State team that couldn't get out of the second round to the NBA finals and won a championship with them multiple times. So at, at a certain point, we have to start giving him credit for being a good basketball coach. And I think he's proving that this year with this group, now that they have a bit more depth, much more like that 14, 15 warriors team than the warriors team with KD, because keep in mind when they had KD, they had to give up a lot of depth at the time. They were just beating you with all out talent. Like when you've got clay, KD, Steph Draymond, you don't need a deep bench, but, once KD leaves, then you and Clay's been out. You need to go and add some more pieces. Took them a couple years to do so. And I think they've done a great job with that. Yeah. And then the other
0: team that's on fire is the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they they are on a win streak themselves. You know, they they capitalized by beating Brooklyn, you know, on Saturday night. Uh, when when they when Brooklyn was favored, you know, for betting people like Brooklyn was favored. It was at Brooklyn, Phoenix was on the road, kind of with the win streak on the line, and people expected it to fade out in uh they played amazing defense. James Harden had eight, nine turnovers yesterday, uh, on Saturday. Uh, Kevin Durant played well. He played, you know, it's it's Kevin Durant. It's, you know, one of the MVP candidates of the league. But Phoenix is on fire. Like, and you remember, I don't know if you remember, like the very beginning of the season after like the first two games, people were panicking about Phoenix. Like, oh, my God, they don't look the same and this and that. And now they're like on a win streak. They got, what, the second best uh, record record. In the NBA, the second seed in the in the West behind Golden State. So these are the two best teams in the NBA essentially right now. And at this point, they look like they picked up where they left off last year on their finals run. They came up short, but they look hungry. Like, and sometimes you don't get that when the team because you see how Atlanta came out the gate. Like they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you even heard Trey Young say, like, you know, it's just, it's not that same hunger right now. Like we're trying to figure out how to have that same excitement, same hunger. Regular season isn't playoff basketball. Kind of crazy for somebody to say after only being in the playoffs one time. But, you know, whatever. People are going to give them a pass on that, uh, being able to say that. But, you know, you would think you saw Milwaukee after winning a championship. They came out slow. They're on a win streak now also. They're back to playing Milwaukee Bucks basketball, climbing right back up in the uh, standings. They're not that far off from being, you know, the one seed over there. But Phoenix, like they look hungry. Chris Paul's older. You, you almost thought they would take a step back. You almost thought you don't want to say it was fluke, but with getting to the finals and winning a championship, it takes skill and some luck, right? Like that's, that's, everybody needs a little bit of luck. The uh, injury bug hit a certain team, you know, that was favor or something like typically you need a little bit of luck, a, a little bit of something to go your way. So we kind of thought based on the injuries, the, you know, the Western conference really being banged up, like Phoenix. Was the healthiest team in the Western Conference at that point? So of course they were going to make it. They were just as good as anybody, but with them not having any major injury to their team, you figured, of course, like you know, they get there. But you expect them to take a step back. You expected the Lakers to be on top. You expected Utah to be right back. You know, everybody healthy. You, you, I thought the Clippers would be a little bit worse than what they are. Like they're not as bad without Kawhi. They're, you know, Paul George is playing really well. But you just had the expectation of these other teams to play absolutely amazing, and it's the Phoenix Suns. So, what has impressed you with Phoenix up to this point in the season?
1: I mean, Phoenix, I was on record, like, heading into the year that I thought that they would be fine regular season-wise. Like, like when you bring back your entire group that was healthy all of last year, they added Javale McGee and Landry Shamet, who have both been pretty solid this year. McGee's ten points per game, Shamet's around eight. So they've added a little bit of depth there. For me, it was never a regular season concern. It was I wish that they would have went out and added one more like really key piece that's going to play big minutes in the playoffs. So that way, when these other teams got healthy, because let's face it, that's why Phoenix was in the NBA Finals last year. A lot of it had to do with health of other teams they needed to add another piece for that. So that way when they go up against those teams fully healthy, then they still have the edge there. That being said over their 16 game win streak, like listen to the teams that they've beat. They beat just beat Brooklyn. They beat Denver, New York, Dallas, twice Memphis, Portland, and Atlanta. You throw in the OKC's season, whatever into the mix as well, but they've beaten quality basketball teams. They've done it at home on the road. They've done it everywhere. Um, But also, Phoenix is, once again, one of the healthiest teams in the NBA. You look at through 20 games, all of their starters have played, like, every game. So, like, at some point, we need to see what this Phoenix team is like if they go through an injury. Like, if they go two full seasons without having anyone missing any significant time, that's almost unheard of in the NBA when you think about uh, how old Chris Paul is. And I know they have a lot of young pieces, too, but, like, you would think Chris Paul's also been known to miss time in his career. And he was pretty much fully healthy all of last season. So I want to see what this Phoenix team's like if they have to go through a little bit of adversity because it has been a little bit easy for them in that sense. That being said, you can't take anything away from the way that they've played. They played a very high pace. I think they're fourth in the league at pace. They shoot the highest percentage in the league. They're fourth in assists. They're top five in offensive and defensive ratings. So they're getting it done on both ends of the court. DeAndre Ayton's kind of stayed put I guess you could say he's taken a minor step because he was like 14 and 10 last year and now he's 15 and 11 so like he's very similar to what he was last year still a very good defensive player Devin Booker also struggled through like the first five or six games he's back to he's back to what he does he's 24 5 and 4 now so like that's what we expect from Devin Booker in Phoenix and then you've got Chris Paul 14 and 10 I mean he's just he's getting it done, uh, distributing the basketball for this team. That's why they're so high in assists. When you've got a guy that's averaging 10 himself, that's going to go a long way in your numbers. So I'm not that concerned about Phoenix as a regular season basketball team. And I wasn't heading into the year. Like a couple of the teams that you touched on kind of in your preamble there, like Atlanta's played a really tough schedule out of the gate. Now they're starting to get some of these gimme games. They're starting to get back to where they should be. Milwaukee missed Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton for like half a dozen games. Uh, right out of the gate so that really hurt them off the start the lakers i knew they were going to take some time and i know we're going to touch more on them in a little bit so I'll, so i'll leave that one alone for now but they were a team that was going to take some time that's why i picked utah to be the one seed again in the west because to me it felt like utah they had all the depth and everything it's turned out to be golden state and the fact that phoenix is healthy and they're on this 16 game win streak they're the top two right now but yeah th- this phoenix team they're they're fun to watch. Uh, Monty Williams does a really great job there. Um, He finally gets his just due as a head coach in the NBA. Um, And so I like this Phoenix team. I just want to see them. I hope that we talked about Golden State making a deadline move. I'd like to see Phoenix make a deadline move. Like if you're really all in, because Chris Paul's window is this year, like next year, I'm not taking Phoenix to go very far past this season. So if you're going to make that challenge, truly try and beat the Brooklyns and the Milwaukee's of the Eastern Conference, the Miami's, then you have to go and make another move because those teams go six, seven, eight, nine guys deep, don't really lose a lot when they get into their bench. That's not the case in Phoenix. So I'd like to see them make a deadline move. What do you think of them potentially making a deadline move? I agree with you. They do need to do that. And the reason they need to do that is because, like you said, like they were...
0: They were a piece away, and it wasn't an all-star. Like, we're not saying they need an all-star. They got a big three uh, in Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Aiton. But it almost seems like you just need that fourth guy, like, because you need that second guy when one of those guys are off. So when if Chris Paul's having a bad night shooting, yeah, he's going to run the office, but you need, like, Devin Booker and another wing player. And I think that's what they need. I think they need another wing player. They got DeAndre Aiton. I guess you'll just
1: start having to see as the season plays out who becomes available. Um, Eric Gordon, like, like a name that I just mentioned, like if you could go and get Eric, Eric Gordon as like a 15 point per game guy, just coming off the bench because he doesn't fit into that starting lineup. When you're talking about Chris Paul, you're talking about Devin Booker bridges, what he does defensively and also providing some secondary scoring as well. Like those three are locked in, in your starting lineup. But if you can start, you bring Eric Gordon as one of your first guys off the bench, then I think you really have something there.
0: Yeah, I agree. that, And that's probably because, and, and when you think about it, like we'd be playing the guessing game as far as who's going to be available. But Eric Gordon seems like the most likely uh, to be available. Um, so, But I want to keep it in the Western Conference, and we're going to talk about a team who's just bad. And I have a comparison, and I don't think it's fair, but it, it's the, the Houston Rockets. And, you know, Coach Silas, we, we've heard, is on the hot seat. He may not make it through the season. And I could go on a rant all day, but I want to get your thoughts first, what do you think about, you know, reports coming out that like the team, the organization is not satisfied with Silas and that he could he could potentially not make it through the
1: season? What were their expectations this year? Thank like, you. Like, 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 OK, this is so puzzling to me because, OK, they just won two in a row, which like good for them. But like, OK, th- this is their lineup that they start every night. Kevin Porter, Jr., Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood. That, that's like their regular starting five. And then their bench is Alperin Sangoon, a rookie. Garrison Matthews. I, I dare someone to tell me where he went to college because I have no idea. I didn't even know that was an NBA player until I looked it up prior to this show. KJ Martin. Like, like this is what we're talking about is the roster. So, like, what, it, what were our expectations for this group? They're not trying to win basketball games. And here's the thing they've been competing like they may be three and 17 or whatever their record is. Now I know they got three wins just because they screwed me over betting wise the last two days. But if we're talking about them as like, they competed with the Lakers multiple times this year, they've been competing against teams like Portland. And like, so it's we're they're, they're young basketball team. Like what do young teams do not close out games? And that's what we've consistently seen Houston do this year. So I just don't know like what the Houston organization thought was going to happen when James Harden up and quit on you last year. So you had to trade him away for draft picks. You got John Wall, who's not playing for you. Like, so this is my confusion with it is like, are we really saying that Silas is the issue here? Are we just saying like, look, this is just a bad team. So like, why are we, why are we firing this guy, bringing in someone else who's also not going to win basketball games? I don't care if it's Phil Jackson walking through the door. You're not winning basketball games with this group. So this is this is why like, it's so puzzling to me why these teams are so quick to give up on a young coach like Silas when they've put him in a position to fail. They've never put him in a position where it's like, hey, we think that you could make a run at the play-in game. We're not even talking about the playoffs playoffs like <laughs> seriously we're, we're talking about this team not even remotely close to the play-in game in the western conference san antonio is ahead of them talk about a team trying not to win games either they're ahead of them right now so i don't know i i don't like the fact that they're just giving up on silas making him the scapegoat this is just the gm more than anything else buying himself another year or two by trying to fire the coach and put it on him but if you're an NBA fan and you look at that roster, how many wins do we think they were getting? Twenty, like twenty-five. Yeah. Like, is that the expectations this year? Yeah, and and, and I, so I want you to tell me if I'm right. I
0: have a perfect comparison. Silas in Houston was, and people calling for his job and him being on the hot seat. To me, like I I I can't agree with it. I find it unfair. But it's like looking over at the NFL side and people saying like Dan Dan Campbell shouldn't be brought back as a head coach. And I'm like, well, everything you said about Houston is like everything you would say about Detroit. Like they're not as bad as their record looks like they still are a bad team, but they play. They have close games. They flame out late at the the later you get on the game because talent prevails. Coaching does prevail. But like what were the expectations like Houston was expected to be one of the ones in it? Detroit expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're right. at expectation. And now the coach wants to get fired because they were supposed to do what? Like unless Popovich was walking through the door and a couple, you know, all-star players like this is what Houston's year was going to look like. And you were hoping that the young tap was going to improve like that. That was, you were hoping you had something to build on with those draft picks. That's what it was it's like. Yeah, they looked exciting in Summer League because, yeah, they had some really good rookies, but that had no bearing on, you know, what the expectations should be or was going into this season for them. Once you get out of the Summer League and you play all the seasoned vets and guys actually chasing championships. So, yeah, they have a young core to build on. I like what they have going for the future, but, like, success doesn't happen overnight, especially when what is the – you're expecting to succeed with that roster. Like, that's – It's just not an
1: example of like some of their losses this year. You lose to Boston by 10. Boston's a quality basketball team. You go to Dallas, you lose by 10. That's fine. You play back to back road games against the Lakers. You lose by 10 and you lose by two. So like competing with a super team, quote unquote, super team, you lose to at Denver by one. At Golden State by 13. Like, these aren't losses that are, like... Like, here's the thing. If Silas is losing every game by 25 points, fire him. Like, you got to at least compete in the NBA. Like, I don't care how bad your roster is. You got to be within 10 to 15 points on a consistent basis. And, yeah, has Houston had some, like, 30-point losses? Yes. Every team has this year. Doesn't matter who you are minus the top, like, five or six teams. But that's what's so crazy to me is that... They're competing. They're doing exactly what you want. They're also putting all of their rookies in the game for like 30 minutes a game. That's the whole point of this season. It's about, look, Jalen Green's going to have some nights where he he might drop 30, but he's also going to have some nights where he shoots one for 11, scores like four points and looks like, how the hell is this guy the number two pick in the draft? Alperin Sangoon has looked good. That was a great draft pick. He's got the passing touch he rebounds well like you see the flashes of these young guys Jay Sean Tate was on an all rookie team last year he's playing minutes for you just because Kevin Porter Jr hasn't lived up to the lofty expectations people set for him based off of like five good games last year doesn't mean that he's a bad basketball player and Christian Wood's been putting up numbers as well so th- this is just it's confusing to me why Silas is on the hot seat because like I'm pretty sure the Vegas over under on Houston was like 24 games. So like that's the expectation. So what are you like a couple games below expectations to start the year? You've also played a really tough schedule, a ton of road games. Let's see you win some home games. They're starting to build momentum. Like we just talked about, they won two in a row. They beat Charlotte. That's a quality win. Oh, and who is the other team that they beat? The Chicago bulls. They beat the bulls at home by five points. So those are wins that you can build off of moving forward. And they went to overtime with Charlotte when they beat them. So they're starting to figure it out. If they're going to fire Silas because of that, I don't care. Popovich can walk through the door and they're winning 20 games this year.
0: Yeah, like it's just a bad situation. Like I said, like when I look at Silas in Houston, I look at it's very it's mirrors Dan Campbell in Detroit like. You had zero expectations. Like, people are looking at Dan Campbell, and they're like, oh, he should be fired. People are calling for his job. And I'm like, well, what was the expectation? Like, what did you think was going to happen? So, like, when if if the organization, like you said, is just looking for him as a scapegoat because you can't tell me you thought this Houston team was going to be competitive and be a play-in team at the high level. Of, like, no. Unless you were telling me that they had all-star caliber rookies the minute they step on the court, that just wasn't going to be it. And then John Wall's not playing, like – they had kind of come to an agreement. He may step back out on the court. Uh, you know, I guess they're working on terms. He, he basically he wants to play. You know, agree they were the for part. And he wasn't going to play for them until then. But at the same time, like you start realizing that uh, nobody, if they, and the buying out wasn't an option. So I don't think teams are going to trade to take on that contract right now. If John Wall gets bought out, you know, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of teams, in my Miami Heat included in trying to get John Wall. But as far as taking on that contract, yeah, I just don't see that happening. And so, speaking of, like, down and out and, you know, organizations are pressing the panic button and fan bases are pressing the panic button and they want to fire people, let's talk about two teams that I know have had injuries, and that's probably the biggest reason why they're at where they're at. But these are two teams that we expected to compete in the West that are under 500. And that's the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver, I think, has been far off worse than L.A. because we knew Jamal Murray wasn't going to play, and then Jokic hasn't played the past few games. So, like, we kind of – it's understandable why Denver's where at where they're at. But even still, they looked a little shaky even with Jokic in the floor, and you knew, like, they missed Jamal Murray. But at the same time, like, sometimes – if you don't make moves, you dig yourself in such a hole that you may never be able to get dig yourself out of it at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I think both of these teams will make the playoffs, 100%. I think, I think they'll both get out of the play and They'll figure it out. But I want to start with your Los Angeles Lakers first. Uh, they're under 500. Like, it's not... It, it's... For all the talent that they do have, yeah, they didn't have... You know, LeBron's missed some games, but like, That's what you got Westbrook for. Like, and essentially, Westbrook is not getting the job done that you got him for. Like, you got Westbrook so that LeBron could rest, so that if LeBron were to get hurt or he was, you know, to load manage as he's getting older, Westbrook is that ball handler. He could continue to keep the offense flowing the same. He can step up and win those games. You'll still have Westbrook and Anthony Davis, which should be enough to, to, to win some games minus LeBron. And they just they haven't done that. Like, and then LeBron comes back, puts on, you know, a show against Indiana after he comes back off of his suspension, after coming back off an injury, he gets suspended two games later and puts on a show against Indiana. And then they they lose, to, they turn around. And it's like, okay, sometimes that one victory is the step in the right direction, at least for the next couple of weeks, like you build off of that. And then they go and lose to Sacramento. And, you know, uh, it's just, I don't know. Like when I look at LA, like, I don't want to say press the panic button, but they should have their hand hovering over it with some thoughts. Like I don't know if they're making calls around the league. We know the GM, like people like to call them. We know if if it's not working out and he doesn't see a championship with that team, we know he'll make some moves. Uh, but and, and I even say this for for the people who call LeBron a GM, this was the worst GM and he's ever done. If you want me to be honest, this was the worst roster he's ever built and it's not that they're bad I'm not saying LeBron doesn't have help it's the way it's constructed it just doesn't fit like having Westbrook is never a bad thing but him and LeBron don't fit having some of those bench pieces like they don't fit because of what you're asking them to do like Melo you can't ask Melo to be I don't he's been a six man of the year candidate but can we ask him at this age to consistently play like that like that's a Six man is like a young score coming off the bench consistently. The Tyler Hero, Jordan Clarkson, those guys. So like to ask Mello at this age to essentially give you, what, 30 minutes a game coming off the bench, giving you almost 18 to 20 points a game. Like, I just think that's a lot to ask for Mello. So when you see the Lakers, like if I'm the Lakers fan or I'm, I'm in the Lakers organization, I have my hand over the panic button and I'm gonna give it to like, Christmas, around Christmas time, I give it another month before I press it, but it's over there, sitting there, and it's going to sit over there for a month, and I'm going to see if I have to press panic and maybe make some moves after after about Christmas. I give it to about January 1st, uh, 2022, before I really press that button, and we start making some things shake and see what we could do and add some new pieces to the team, but what do you think?
1: I mean, there's, so to touch on the the roster makeup, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love the moves that they made. Um, I actually thought Russ and Mello were like the only moves that I really liked this year. Um, we haven't seen the one other piece that I actually liked them bringing in, which was Kendrick Nunn. Um, he was a guy that I thought would be, uh, someone that could help us on the bench scoring side of things. Um, but scoring, I mean, offensive rating, they're not great, but there's two things that stand out to me when you look at L.A. The first is turnovers. They're a bottom five team in turnovers a game this year. That's alarming. Like, when you're turning over to basketball, it, it keys into everything that you talked about about things not fitting, because turnovers is sloppy basketball. And sloppy basketball often comes when it's either a young team or it's a team doesn't fit well together. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think what LA is experiencing when you talk about the turnover side of things, everyone will point to, well, yeah, you added Russ. What do you expect? You're going to get five turnovers a game, but like, come on, like there's other reasons why they have those turnovers as well. Like it's looked really bad some nights offensively. The second reason why it hasn't looked good is because LA, the last number of years has been a top five defensive team in the league. And this year they're 23rd in defensive rating. So like, you know, when you start to see that drop off, this is once again, the fit side of things of, okay, well, you brought in all these guys because you needed shooters. That's what they say. Shooter, shoot. Am I right? Like, <laughs> but then, yeah. but then you look and then it's like, okay, well, Wayne Ellington doesn't play a lick of defense. When's the last time I saw him a leak monk defensive highlight? Like these are guys that don't defend and you know, LeBron, he's not at the stage in his career where he's going to be on guys to play defense. I think he's just like, you don't want to play defense and I'm a trade you like that's really kind of the mindset that I think he's in. Like, is he partially checked out? Maybe like, I think it, a lot of it has to do more so with him being banged up and he hasn't been banged up for most of his career, but age is finally starting to set in. Like, I don't think we're seeing another Tom Brady. LeBron's playing until he's 45. Like, that just – that can't happen in the NBA. Like, your body cannot tolerate that. Um, So, yeah, I think it's – my panic button at the start of the year was get to 20, 25 games. We're around there right now. But they did have injuries early on, so I pushed it back to 30. I said, okay, well, now you have LeBron back. As long as he's healthy the next 10 games – Let's see what they have. Let's see if they can start to figure this thing out because I think LeBron's been taking a lot of the scoring load on himself when isn't that what they brought Anthony Davis in to do? And he hasn't been shooting really well this year. So I think it I think it's a collective effort. Like I don't think Russ has been as bad as people say he has. Like I th- I think Russ came as advertised. He's going to turn it over a lot he's going to push the pace that's why the lakers are second in pace this year because when he gets the rebound he's looking to push like that's just he's not walking the ball up the court very often but then you've got lebron hurt he's getting into it with fans and he's doing the he gets into it with isaiah stewart and yeah i know that's an accident and that's a conversation for another day but yeah you know there's just all these little things that are kind of piling up and you know maybe it's time to have that Team meeting and it's like, look, we all gotta, we all gotta block in. Like, I think they're too casual right now. Um, I don't love Frank Vogel as a coach. Like, I don't think he's the issue. I don't think he's the overall issue with this group. I'm just not a fan of his coaching style in general. But you gotta look internally and be like, A D, like, when are you gonna start to play like the the legend that we've been crowning you as for the last 10 years? Because ever since college, we've been talking about him as like the next great big man. And, you know, has he not underwhelmed to an extent? Like he's won a championship, but he hasn't lived up to what he was billed as. LeBron, you got to stop getting into it with all these little things and start locking in. And Russ, we need you to to just keep doing what you're doing. We're going to figure out how do you fit into this offense with some time. And shout out to Mello for having a great year. Like, let's not forget a couple years ago, Mello was out of the NBA and now he's a six man candidate and he's embraced the scoring role with LA. And I think he would only truly embrace that role with LeBron. So uh, I think it's, it's a credit to him for, for what he's done from the scoring perspective off the bench for them. But yeah, give him another 10 games. Let's see. Let's see how it overall fits then. But they just need to, to get more time on the floor together because we've seen flashes where like the three of them combined for like 80 points. They win handily like they can't do that every night, though. They need to get some of these other guys involved, especially defensively.
0: Yeah. And I looked at it. And so, you know, me, like, I guess I, I get known. I'm the old grumpy guy. Uh I'd be quick to call for somebody job. Like I'd be I'd be quick a lot of times. I'm not saying Frank Vogel should get fired, because I'm not saying he's the problem. But what I am saying is that when you're a head coach and you have an identity, he's a defensive coach, but you have the 23rd best defense in the NBA, something's got to give, right? Like, you you already felt like when when, when a coach needs to step up, a coach, you kind of, people already got skeptical of Vogel last year. Like, it's all good when you're winning and you win a championship, but you have the better roster, but, you know, you have LeBron. Like, at the end of the day, you're going to get the benefit of that you got LeBron. But then, like, to see, you also have all the pressure on you. Winning has to happen. And so you're in L.A. And you see last year, like, Frank Vogel didn't step up and be a great coach when a great coach was needed in in times of adversity, times of during injury. How can I, as a coach, keep this band together and keep them playing great basketball? And he wasn't able to do that. And then even right now, like, LeBron goes out. You do have Russell Westbrook. You have had Anthony Davis. Granted, I know it missed a game here or there, but, This is what you got Westbrook for. And so this is when, as a coach, LeBron's hurt. We're going to miss him for two weeks. The question you have to ask yourself and be able to answer, how am I going to be able to win basketball games without LeBron James, but with Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis and crew over the next two to three weeks? And so he might have asked himself that, but he has an answer because They weren't winning games like you thought they would because everybody is like when LeBron got hurt was the first thing everybody said. This is why they got Russell Westbrook because LeBron's getting older or is old at this point. LeBron is old and we know he might be injured or we know he might take longer to recover from an injury or he might just take more time. Like, yeah, this is a week, but I'm going to take an extra week because I got Westbrook because I still got Anthony Davis because we got this surrounding cast of guys that are supposed to be able to make some shake. and so like I said, when you have an identity as a head coach and your team is not that, then I think you start thinking about putting some pressure, applying some pressure, putting them on the hot seat. Like, hey, you don't get it together. I don't believe a LeBron team this late will fire a coach middle of the season because I still think at the end of the day, LeBron's going to feel like he can, LeBron is going to feel like that team can compete for a championship. And I just don't think you put yourself in a situation where you try to compete for a championship with an interim head coach, like especially a LeBron-led team. Like, but this could be one of those situations. Like, Hey, they have an expectation within the organization that we don't know about, but there, you know, sometimes there's a, if you don't do this, you're gone. So who knows? Like maybe the expectation is get to the finals, win a championship. Like if anything short of whatever the expectation is within that organization, you're gone. But then even look at Denver, Denver's a bad team right now. They're, They look bad. I know Jokic has been out the past few games, so we definitely give them the pass because, like, MPJ's hurt. Jokic is hurt. Jamal Murray is hurt. So I think Denver is all due to injury. But, like, MPJ having the injury history that he does being hurt again is cause for concern. You don't know. We haven't heard yet when Jamal Murray is supposed to come back. So you don't even necessarily – at least us as fans, we don't have a, well, we're going to give them a pass up to this point because no matter where they're at, once Jamal Murray comes back and gets in the flow of things, they're going to turn around. Who knows if he comes back in time for them to really turn it around or he comes back in time to di- get get some games in before the playoffs and deal with their circumstance and being whatever seed they are, playing tournament or whatever. Now they got to, you know, when to get in. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Jokic being out, he's not, he's not an injury prone player so I know he'll he'll bounce back. He's kind of been day to day. So I think they're just being cautious at this point. It's early in the season. You know, hey, if you're not 100%, don't play right now. Uh and, I, and I'm fully with that. It's too early. You are Denver. You are you do have the MVP. But with MPJ and his injury history and him being hurt, you know, with we don't we don't know when Jamal Murray is supposed to come back yet unless we've heard something that I missed it and it's very possible, but it's <laughs> I think Denver should have their hand hovering over that panic button, too. And I think I think they should be. I don't know who they should be looking at. I think they should be looking at trading Michael Porter Jr. I think that's a possibility. They paid him all that money, though. And I thought that was a ridiculous contract. Because uh, I, f- I don't like paying on projection when you haven't done nothing to earn it yet. Like, I pay pay players on what they've earned, not what you think they're going to earn when they haven't even earned anything yet. Like, Michael Porter Jr., really, outside of He could score, but he hasn't shown us that we say he needs to become a better defender. We say this, you say that. And, like, he hasn't done that yet. He's still very young and has – but they paid him on what they project him to be. They didn't pay him on what he's earned. So, I I think I have my hand over the panic button, but I I give them more of a pass for the simple fact. Like like I say, Jokic has been out the past few games, MPJ's hurt, and Jamal Murray. That is essentially – you take those three away. That's a bad team. It's one of the worst teams in the NBA, essentially – with what's left, no Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Jokic, but what do you think about Denver so far, and, and how far do they let it get before they start looking at making some moves, improving the roster, and, and essentially trying to get back to that, competing
1: for a championship? Denver as a team gets a pass for me. Michael Porter Jr. does not get a pass from me. He played nine games. He was 10-6, and six shooting 36% from the floor over that stretch. For a guy that just got paid nearly $200 million over five years. So he doesn't get a pass. you, You can talk about injury all you want. Like not saying you in particular, but people can talk injury all they want. He wasn't playing good basketball prior to that. So I don't think he deserves a pass. Like you got all that money and then it seems like you mailed it in. Cause like that's unacceptable to be at that low a percentage and, we were talking about a guy that was like a 51% shooter last year. And you're now down to 36. Like there's something something wrong there with that. Aaron, Aaron Gordon stepped up. I mean, we didn't expect like a ton from him when he moved over from Orlando. We just viewed him as like a nice piece to, to add into the rotation. But 13 and 6, shooting 51%. He stepped up. He's done a great job. Um, Will Barton, a guy that was missing last year, 16, 5, and 4. He's having a quietly good year. You know, you look at Monte Morris, the guy who stepped in to replace Jamal Murray, 11-4 and 3. So what more did we really expect from him? Like they like him in the rotation, I like him in the rotation. Um Bones Highland, he's a 7-2 and 1 guy, but he's a rookie, so like we we didn't expect a ton out of him. Um but yeah, this is a bad basketball team when Nicole Jokic isn't playing. Like even if you have Jamal Murray out there, even if you have Michael Porter Jr., it's still not a great basketball team when you're missing your best player. And that goes for all 30 teams. When your best player's missing, you're not going to look very good. Um, yeah, you're not the same team. <laughs> but 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 like Jokic, he's dealing with a wrist issue. It's smart for them to, to take it slow. Like if he needs to sit out another week or two just to feel right and to make sure that he's at 100%, because here's the thing, that turns into a nagging injury. We're talking about Denver maybe not making the play in game like, cause the West is going to be tight this year towards the bottom there. Like we know that there's three or four teams that are really bad, but it does get tighter once you get to that, like seven to 11 spot. But it's why I had Denver at eight heading into the year, because I felt like if Jokic misses any significant period of time, then what do we go to? And I was at least hoping that Michael Porter jr. Would be there to maybe pick up the pieces and he's not there. So yeah, they they get a pass as a team because of injuries, but at the end of the day, you got to figure out a way to win some of these games without him. Like the roster may not be there, but we've seen teams with less win games in the league. Um, maybe over the next little stretch here, they can figure out a way to win some games. Like after Miami, you get the magic, you get the Pelicans in a few games, you get the Spurs back to back. Like You got to win a couple of those games even without Jokic and Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray because I mean those teams aren't looking to win either. So why don't you go and snag those victories? And then you can put yourself in a position where he comes back and he's fine. And then you you keep rolling and then you can potentially move into that top six again in the West. But yeah, when you're missing the MVP, you're always going to see a significant drop off. Everyone outside of Michael Porter Jr. gets a pass for me. I thought the contract was stupid. Um, Denver has to overpay for players, but at least pay people that have done something in the league. And as, as promising as he looked, putting up 17 points on 51% shooting doesn't warrant, warrant that contract. When you think about what John Collins got paid, when you think about what some of these other young guys got paid that are better than you and you got paid more, like I just didn't agree with it at the time. And I think it's something that could come back to bite them if these nagging injuries continue because mm-hmm. back injuries don't just go away. Like, and no, that was his concern coming into the league like that. That's and why he and fell. I, that's the only reason why he fell. He was
0: going to be, he was, he was possibly going to be the number one pick, but he did fall because of those back injuries. And I agree with you It's like that contract. That man got paid De'Aaron Fox, Trey young money. Like that man got paid. Who else did we like? We just watched the young cast get paid and, and he got paid that money. And it's like, well, Trey Young is a all-star. Trey Young went to Easter Conference Finals. De'Aaron Fox, you had to pay him. In, I mean, he's worth the the what he got paid, but you had to pay him in Sacramento if you wanted to retain him because he dipped. Yeah. Like and he's he's an all-star caliber player. I just don't know if he'll if he'll make an all-star game over there in Sacramento. They're just not good. Like it's just that's just a bad team, a bad organization. And you go there to die, essentially, and so we want the Aaron Fox free.
1: Unfortunately, but, he died when he was nineteen, <laughs> unlike yeah, a lot okay, of
0: unfortunately, other. Unfortunately, like he's gonna be
1: like, yeah, you're a good player who just gets no love.
0: Boogie went through it. Uh, everybody goes there. They just, you know, at, since the early two thousands, like, yeah, you just you, you go to Sacramento to die. But we talked about we we opened the show talk about the Suns and Warriors and and how they're on fire. Then, then we start getting a little more depressing and hot, you know, hot seats and panic buttons. So. Now we're going to be even a little more negative to close out the show because there's certain teams that get a lot of love that we think are eventually going to snap back into reality and just not be very good or, or be an average team. So I want to talk about who flames out. Uh, there's not a lot of teams, I think, that'll flame out. There's not a lot of teams that are overachieving right now, exceeding expectations, and you expect them to drop back down. But I know there are a couple, and we're going to talk about them, so I'm going to mention mine because, well, it's both of ours, because I know you've said this on many occasions too, but the Washington Wizards, like, they're playing really good. But I even made it – I said it the other day, and they were losing by, like, 10 to the Pelicans. And I was like, wow. Uh, I was like, see, they're setting back into reality. And what do they do? They come back and win. And I'm like, okay, you know, mo Mush. I just spoke too soon, my bad. But I think I, I think it's it's, it's – they've been one of the best teams in the Easter Conference. When you look at record, they're right there. It's them, Brooklyn, Miami, Chicago. And now even with Milwaukee on that win streak, like they're all within like two games of each other. They got the same record as Miami right now. They're like a game behind or the game ahead of Chicago. I do not expect them to keep this up. Bradley Bill has not played particularly amazing for, for them to be so good. But Spencer Dinwiddie has stepped up, Kyle Kuzma has stepped up when needed. Montrez Harrell has stepped up when needed. Like they've had a team full of guys that just everything is going their way right now. But, eventually the season settles in championship teams start really playing championship basketball. And I think when that happens, you're already starting to see it. Like you're seeing Milwaukee go on their win streak. You're seeing Miami winning games that they should be winning. You're, you you know uh, you're, you're seeing Atlanta start to play better basketball now, like teams that were playoff teams last year. And I, I know Washington was a playoff team too, but Teams with like expectations, you're starting to see it. Atlanta went on a win streak after playing bad. Boston still can't figure it out. I mean, they're a good team, but that's about it. Uh, you're hoping New York is, is going to start playing better basketball. But at, at the end of the day, like I think when they start, Atlanta continues to roll. Miami's getting it together. Milwaukee's back to playing championship basketball. They're headed in the right direction on a win streak. Obviously, Brooklyn is Brooklyn. Like, we expect them to be one of the two best teams. Chicago's playing great. They're fitting, their chemistry is amazing already and so it's only they're only gonna get better they're only gonna get stronger with a new look roster to play the way they're playing that's that's very impressive to me so I think Washington flames out I think they end up being a playing team and in this time I don't know if they if they get in uh and it's it's just when it comes down to it they don't have enough Dan Whitty already he got hurt again uh hasn't played he didn't play the other night uh might not play the next couple games no major injury but like coming off an ACL like anytime you're dinged up you, you start it's a little cause of concern so I think Washington is a team that flames out what do you think about Washington and then give me your team that you think also flames out
1: yeah Washington they got it to the hot start um, I just don't know if it's sustainable because Beal is great and then you've got a lot of guys that are kind of like if you're building a championship team, you'd love those guys to be like your third or fourth options, like the Dinwiddies, the Kuzmas, the Harrels that they have on their team. So they haven't had to go through any significant injuries yet. We know that as the season goes on, those tend to happen. So I'm curious to see what happens. I think, yeah, Washington stays healthy all year. We might be talking about them just sneaking into the playoffs or maybe the, the eight seed or whatever in the play in game. But Overall, I just think that at some point they're going to come back down to earth. One team that I know that we mentioned their chemistry has been great out of the gate. Chicago, I wouldn't say flames out, but they are a team that I think will come back down to earth pretty quickly here Um, because the two seed, like that's insane for them to be the two seed right now. But when we're looking at when Miami's went up against them, they've looked like the better team. We've got Milwaukee starting to get back to what they are. So even if you have just those two teams move ahead of them, they're going to move down to the four. And then it starts to become a pick them between like Atlanta and New York and all these other teams. So like, I wouldn't be that surprised if Chicago drops to being in that five to seven range by the time the year's said and done, that's not flaming out though. That's just like your expectations. Like you've started hot, but like at some point it's going to come back down a bit. The team that I think flames out is Charlotte. And I think it just has to do with them still being a really young team. Um, we just saw them lose a game to Houston, which can't happen if, if you're the five seed in the Eastern Conference and you can't lose that game to Houston. And I know that it's a road game and whatever, but that's a team that had two wins before last night and you let them beat you uh, on the road. So when you look at the five teams that are currently behind Charlotte, Milwaukee will move ahead of them. Atlanta will move ahead of them. The Knicks will move ahead of them. Philadelphia and Boston, that's where it becomes a toss-up. So even if they just move those three spots, that takes them to the eight seed that puts them in the the play-in game situation. So that's why I would say they flame out because then they're not going to be an automatic playoff team. They're probably going to be in that play-in game. I don't see anyone 11 or lower that's really going to challenge. The only one there that potentially could is Toronto now that Siakam's back. But even they, I don't think, are the quality of team that Charlotte is. So they'll flame out in a sense that they'll just be in the play in game when we're talking about them as almost hosting a playoff series. Yeah,
0: I def and I agree with you and like you said like you even say like Philly's a toss up, but they've had injuries, you know, like Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris like I think at full strength they're better than Charlotte right now. So I think you know if they get and if they ever bring back Ben Simmons or make a trade whatever, when that situation gets figured out, if it gets figured out, uh you know that's going to put Philly ahead of them. And then Boston, I just I don't know about boston like i would say they should be better than charlotte i don't know i don't know what's going (laughs) on in Boston. like it's 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 the most to me it's the most unexplainable situation but we'll we'll talk about that on a later time but that's all the time we have here i appreciate everybody tuning in and listening here on dash radio on the nothing but net channel before we go kenneth plug your plug your social media plug your projects and, and let them know where they can listen to you at
1: yeah just follow me on all social platforms at shooters underscore pod um, I got my daily betting article on Substack that that gets sent out to all the email subscribers, so go and check that out. Um, Shooter Shoot's going to be back this week, hoping to have Nick's Fan Wild in on. i uh, going to talk some Knicks and some other uh, NBA topics on the show, probably on Wednesday is when we're going to be recording it, but just locking down a time for that. Breaking the game later tonight, uh, and obviously if you're listening on Dash Radio coming up right after this, um steven and i are going to be talking about some exciting topics some different ones that we talked about here today and uh so go check out breaking the game as well uh and mo thanks again for having me on man appreciate it always a good time
0: yeah you know it's always great when we get together and talk basketball as for me y'all know y'all can follow me at up in flames pod on twitter instagram mo underscore cheese 15 on twitter instagram and i appreciate everybody once again listening here on dash radio on the nothing but net channel and on that note up in flames